July and praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. <clears throat> These are beautiful choruses and the last chorus especially says willing to be changed. As you notice, we are streaming from our usual position. Uh, we have not utilized our platform as yet because um, of necessity. Uh, as a matter of fact, long story, but I wouldn't get into that. We're glad just that we are here uh, streaming and some of our folks are listening to this and I pray that God would allow this service to be a blessing to you. It's a good attitude to have people that are willing to be changed. And that is what church going is all about. It's about us coming to church and anticipating God to make changes, help us to make changes in our lives. Um, the world is made up of all kinds of churches and all kinds of religions and all kinds of denominations. As a matter of fact, right here, uh, when we start, we bought our first building, the building was owned by the Kenmuir Baptist Church, and so we have the Baptist Church not far from here. This building that we bought was owned by the United Church, and uh, they uh, moved, and they're not far from here. And so we have Pentecostal churches, we have the Seventh-day Adventist Church, we have the Filipino have a apostolic church, I'm not sure if that's the oneness church, but um, they are apostolic and they're renting a section of our basement here. We have all kinds of churches, denominations of all sorts, Pentecostals and non-Pentecostals. But the amazing thing is that we feel in Gospel Assembly Church that we're right and everybody else is wrong. Well, that might be so and that might not be so. I hope that is so because I'm a part of Gospel Assembly Church and I'm here because I believe in this church. I believe that what we're in is the body of Christ, whether it's not accurately functioning as the body of Christ or whether it's a body that needs a healing that is still to be considered, but we feel we are right. Well, so does everyone. There are churches in this city that believe that uh, God is made up of one person in three offices. We call them, there's a nickname given to that group that's called a oneness group. Their organizations believe that there are three in the Godhead, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I used to be a part of an organization that did believe that. Of course, I believe there is a Father, and I believe there is a Son, and I believe there is a Holy Ghost. Uh, the problem that I always had with that particular doctrine was that I don't believe they're co-equal and co-existent and co-eternal. I believe the Father is greater than the Son, and the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God that, that dwells within Father and Son. And that's just one doctrine. We have organizations that believe the soul is mortal. Some believe that it's immortal. Uh, we have organizations that believe this, uh, that hell is a literal place, popping and frying with uh, fire, and the devil is down there, and having some sort of a uh, operation that you, you'll be burned forever and ever and ever. And there are organizations that don't believe that. 
And so when we're thinking of organizations, one of the most popular uh, concepts that we have in religion today is that people believe that when they are dead, they are not dead. Uh, there are individuals that believe that when they're dead, they are not dead, that they're gone to uh, occupy a better place. And that this, these are some of the strange things. And what we believe today, I'm not here to discuss the details of what we believe, even though I'm tempted to sometimes do that. But what we believe, when we compare what we have with what is existing out there, we believe that a lot of people believe in, in fables. Uh, they believe in a fantasy. There are pagan religions that believe that when you're dead, uh, you're reincarnated and you're born back in a different life as if today you're a bad man living on the earth, you might be born back as a dog in the future. Well, today dogs are treated better than human beings, so maybe I'll choose something else. If you're a bad person, you'll be you're born back as a bat or something. And so that's reincarnation. And there are all these religions, and one religion looks at the other and condemns it because they don't see eye to eye. Well, we think the same. We, when we look at other organizations, as a matter of fact, we have gone overboard in the sense that if you're not a part of us, we have nicknamed every movement that's not a part of us as being a part of what we call Babylon, Mystery Babylon, and uh, you're a part of Babylon. Well, it's debatable, and uh, that's good to have some strong belief. You must at least believe something. And so tonight, I'm thinking that, you know, <clears throat> years ago, um, uh, my wife told me, Sister Chandri told me, she says that there is something that the doctor would give you when you have a problem in your mind. Uh, the doctor would give you something called placebo. Now, placebo tablets or placebo drugs is a fake tablet or a fake treatment. If they feel your problem is in your mind, the doctor will give you some tablets and he says take one tablet three times a day or whatever the prescription is. But actually there's nothing in the pill. It's just a blank pill. But you believe it. And you know a lot of people recover by taking placebo. Well, religion is like that. You might be a part of a placebo religious movement. And when I say that, I do not exclude everything we believe in. Because we can believe in the Godhead right, we can believe in the doctrine of hell correct, we can believe in the doctrine of the mortality of the soul and some of these other major doctrines correct. But our hope, uh, you know, it is so funny, you sit, stand there at a funeral and here's a casket right in front of you and I've gone to many funerals and there's a person lying in the casket, you know, I'm getting older. And as I get older, and uh, this is a common thing, almost every week somebody's going to make a comment on this. And they say, uh, somebody says something, and I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm not young, I'm 71 years old. And the first thing the person would tell you, a common thing, it's a talk, it's a phrase. They said, oh, you don't look that old. Well, <clears throat> when you go to a funeral and there's a corpse in a casket, the common thing people would say is, 
Oh, that person really looked good. You're dead, you're lying in a casket and they think you look good. Now I must be the only person that I know of that saw a funeral in New York not so long ago and it was a man that I know and I went there and uh, they said, there he is in the casket. And so I went up, looked at him, I said, are you sure this is the right man? Because he don't look like him. Uh, because they did a lot of makeup and they tried to powder up and make the man look different. Well, the common thing they say at a funeral is not only that the dead looks good, which is a farce, dead does not look good. As far as I'm concerned, when you're dead, you're dead and you have no life in you. And whether they cosmetically treat you to look good, it's a, it's a lie. You don't really look good, you're dead. When you're dead, you don't look good. Um, try to look good when you're alive. But the funny thing is, they say, well, don't worry, out here in religion. I'm so glad we don't say that. They said, don't worry, this person is gone to a better place. And you stop for a moment and say, what do you mean they're gone to a better place? And Christians actually believe that when you're dead, you're gone to heaven. And I don't know why Jesus is returning back to resurrect the dead. And I don't know why a person would say you're gone to a better place if there is really not a better place that you don't want to go right now. You want to wait back on this terrible earth uh, with all the problems. You prefer to stay here in a place that's not so good than to go in a better place. You see, what am I saying? I'm saying that one of the things that uh, we must reckon, we recognize in scripture and in religion is we should not believe in fables. We should not believe a lie. We should not serve God with fantasies that other religious bodies have. And we might not have the same fantasy, but we have to examine our religion on a daily basis. And it is important when God is raising up a work and God is lifting up men that he raises up men that will carry the same message because you find as one man passes out of the scene and other men take over, the message somewhat changes as it goes down from time to time. And we have been told over and over again, uh, in, in the book of Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy, and tonight I'd like to talk a little bit about Timothy and what Paul is exhorting this young man to do. Now Timothy was a dedicated young man. And there's during the pandemic season we spoke about Joshua. Uh, we mentioned about Joshua. We talked about Moses. These are powerful men that we mentioned uh, over this period of time that we're going through the crisis. And tonight I'd like to show you, talk to, to you a little bit about this young man called Timothy. And this is why the early church had a work that continued on, even though there were churches that fell apart and, and went under. <clears throat> Paul, in, in 1 Timothy, I'd like to turn your attention to 1 Timothy, but before we do that, uh, the, Paul is making mention of Timothy here in 1 Corinthians and chapter 4. And he tells the church at Corinth that uh, he will send Timothy unto them. Now, the church in Corinth, and may I remind you that the letters 
that most of the letters that Paul sent, uh, that especially the letter to Corinth, uh, the letters to Corinth are corrective letters. They are not messages that Paul used to build. Uh, that Paul used to build his churches. It is sad that you and I, ministers today, and saints in the work of God and elders. We tend to hold on to this Bible in front of us and we gotta, we gotta see if we can say everything Paul say and say everything Timothy say when really we have nothing to say uh, from God for ourselves. Really and truly, I must be built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. My foundation must be upon the principles of the word of God that was passed on to me. Scriptures before that foundation. Whether it's the writings of Moses. Or the writings of Jeremiah. Or the writings of Isaiah. Uh, whatever writings were left. Uh, by the prophets and the, the apostles in the New Testament. It forms a foundation for me to build on. But that's the foundation. If I'm called to the ministry. I must be able to set, keep that foundation steady, but put walls up in my period of time that I'm living to save God's people from the evil that exists today. If I can't do that, I'm not called to the ministry. If I'm called to the ministry, I wouldn't just poorly parrot uh, what Paul said in his corrective letters, though some of these things might be wonderful, I just can't poorly parrot. I must be able to pray and seek after God. And that is why Timothy becomes a good example for me to speak about tonight, tonight to everyone listening. Uh, everyone listening to me, Paul says here in 1 uh, uh, Corinthians. He writes to the Corinthians and there were divisions in the Cor Cor church at Corinth. Paul had left this assembly. And the period of time that Paul was gone from this assembly... The devil was successful in bringing in ministers in. And I believe Apollos was one of those that came on in with eloquence and, you know, human wisdom and see if we can uh, set a different foundation. And so Paul warned the church in, in chapter uh, 3 in verse 10. He says, I have laid the foundation, verse 10, according to the grace of God which is given unto me. He says, as a wise master builder. Now, when we, I'm sitting here in a beautiful building. But this building is sitting on foundations. The foundation is not the building. It's a part of the building. And it's what the building is standing on. Without a foundation, the building would collapse. So we need the apostles. We need the prophets. We need our past leaders. And what they have taught us. And given to us, but if they're not here today, evil is evolving and transforming itself all the time. And as a man of God, I must be able to come to the place of understanding that and be able to build on that. Paul says, I've laid a foundation. He says, and another, anyone, a minister that comes after me, build it thereon. Paul had laid the foundation in Corinth and Apollos was there and it seems like other ministers were there building but they were not building on the foundation Paul says let every man take heed 
You're building, but take heed, you're not leaving the foundation of holiness. You're not leaving the foundation of the principles of God. You're not going uh, outside of the borders, uh, in, uh, outside of the confines of God's law and the principles of God. Because we live in an evil age. We live in a world that's corrupted and sinful and evil. And religion itself has transformed itself into a cultural, uh, it, it has acclimatized itself to the culture of the, in the society we're living in. It has taken on a lot of formalities <clears throat> from religion and other apostate movements that brought the world in. Uh, even Hollywood has influenced the church today. And when we look at the church and we are sitting down and streaming, it uh, was a good thing. COVID-19 has taught me a lot of things. I was able to look at a lot of preachers. And sometimes I'm looking at a preacher and I'm wondering... Uh, the church behind, what's set up behind. I'm looking at the flashing lights and whatever is going on. And you wonder if they're renting a, um, a part of Hollywood's uh, uh, studio uh, to perform in because everything is catering to uh, the, the, the glitter and glamour of society. I don't think it represents Christ. The simplicity was lost. Anyhow, time does not wait on me on a Saturday night or any one of these services, so I'll have to move. And Paul says, he says, other foundation. We must bear in mind the foundation remains the same. Other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The main aspect of what we're standing on is Jesus Christ. Now, I know the apostles and prophets and all these men are a part of that foundation, but the main emphasis is that the main, the chief cornerstone is Jesus. He becomes the main focus of what I'm building on. If I'm building a church and that church is taking on a spirit of some uh, outdated apostle or outdated prophet, it can't work. I'm to take on the spirit of Christ. And so Paul is telling his, uh, the church at Corinth. And then he says on, on to the church at Corinth here in chapter 4 and verse 16. He makes a very strong statement here. He says, wherefore, I beseech you, be followers of me. <laughs> what an exalted man that was. Well... If he was the apostle, or he was the teacher, or he was the pastor for the church, the people should follow him as he followed Christ. They can't be sitting in the church and following everybody else. Every local church has a pastor, and the saints in that church are supposed to follow the pastor and take on his spirit. It is important. Because if you're not drinking waters out of your own cisterns, you might be taking in a gulp of the wine of her fornication of this woman in Revelation 17 and not even being aware of it. Church letters, uh, that letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor, Ephesus was number one. It is said according to history that when John the Beloved uh, got released from the Isle of Patmos, they tried to kill him. He was exiled on the Isle of Patmos, and when he was released from the Isle of Patmos, after spending about three years or something like that, uh, he, was, <clears throat> he spent his last days in Ephesus 
the church which it is recorded that Timothy was pastor of. Timothy was a good man. A good man survives. A man that takes on the order and the principles of God and understand what God is doing in a period of time will survive. How would we know? Time will tell. And Paul went on here, he says, I besought you uh, to abide at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. See, right in, right in Ephesus, and this is a strange thing because we might not be able to get into all the scriptures uh, that can, we can cover tonight. But Paul, writing here, he says, Ephesus. You remember when Paul was exiled from Ephesus in the 20th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, uh, Paul was not allowed back in Ephesus. He was not like us. We come on in and we just hop now with everybody else. We are friendly with everybody. And that's all right. We should live peaceably with all men. We should pray for all men. We should have a relationship, but we should preach the truth. Whether they like it or don't like it, we should preach the gospel that will change the lives of people. See, COVID-19 is happening into the city. <clears throat> it's happening and it's affecting the entire world. But let's think about our city. It's affecting our city like it's affecting the entire world. Now, no judgment or pestilence is, is released on a society except that society has failed in its moral standing and sin has become prevalent in that society. And God would send a pestilence. And if the people repent like they did in the days of Jonah, when Jonah went to Nineveh and he preached, God says, tell them I'll destroy them in 40 days. Jonah went after a long story. He went and he ended up in Nineveh and he preached. And the people repented. The preacher felt sad because he wanted God to burn him up. But the people repented and God changed his mind from destroying them. Because God is a God that wishes above all things that all men come to him. And when the people repented, the judgment was stayed. But here we are in a nation and the judgment is strong. It is hitting every aspect of our society, including the church. And not only is society to examine itself, if a church fills the qualification that God wants it to fill, if there are 10 righteous in a city, in the days that the Lord told uh, Abraham, if there were ten righteous in Sodom, he would have saved the city. But there were not even ten righteous. And when COVID-19 is over, before it's even over, sin is lifting its head once more in the city. And the church has lost its voice. Because we have so much going on in society that one distraction after the other distraction, can't we see that there is a pandemic and God is judging the nation and we need to sit down and consider our position? Not only society needs to change from its immoral standards, 
But the church needs to examine itself and find out what we need to adjust ourselves in <coughs> to please God. If when this is over, we go back to our merry lifestyle and the same old lifestyle, and we continue to do the things we have always done, we'll continue to be the people we have always been, and God will judge us again even more sincere. See, the judgments of God come in stages. There's a knock on the door, and that's what COVID-19 is doing. And then God says, okay, you're not repenting, I'll break the door down. And it'll become more personal. I believe pestilences are from God. And if my people, God says, after I've sent a pestilence in the world, he says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, if my people, not the ungodly, the ungodly are ungodly and they will continue to be ungodly, they'll continue to promote their lifestyle without shame, and they can call it pride or whatever, there's no dignity in that, why would you call it pride? So I'm a Christian. My mindset is a Christian. I don't associate myself at anything that's going on out there in the world. I'm a Christian. I've had hurts in the past, but I'm a Christian. And the Savior I serve says, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Bless and curse not. And so if you have a cussing spirit, go ahead and cuss. I will not stand with you. I'm a Christian. It is important that I do not associate myself with the ungodly rabble in the street. I do not even have the guts to turn on a television and watch what's going on with this ungodly, immoral mass. It makes me sick. For me to look at men wearing bras makes me sick. But what makes me even more sick is when we in the church ignore what's happening like if nothing is happening and we follow the beast with the rest of society, we are going down the same road to destruction. If we partake of our sins, we'll receive of our plagues. And so you know this lesson is not going to be done tonight. It's going to probably continue tomorrow. But Paul went on here, he says, <clears throat> he says you teach, the, warn those men that they don't bring different ungodly lifestyles. See, doctrine back there was not too into God and theology and all these kinds of junk that we want to fill our heads with today. It was how to live for God, how to serve God, how to love your fellow man, how to pray for people, how to bless them that curse you. That's the doctrine of the apostles that they had back there. Not this stuff that we have today. And so it says, neither give heed, Paul says in verse four, neither need to give heed. Now he's telling this to a young man that's to be a preacher. He said, need, need to give heed to fables. Now I know, I know Brother Singh, reincarnation is a fable. I know Brother Singh, moving out of life soul is a fable. Listen, there might be fables that you believe in, 
and don't even realize you believe in because you get caught up with the emotionalism of that fable. We need to examine ourselves on a daily basis. We need to examine the practices and customs that were passed on to us on a daily basis. I ask myself ever so often, where did we get this custom from? See, there was given unto John, there was given unto John a reed like unto a rod. And John says, measure the temple. God says, measure the temple, measure the altar, measure them that worship therein. Who has given us the measurement? Was it God or was it man-made? And so, Paul went on here. He says, avoid fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly. And instead of edifying, it says stewardship in the margin, which is in faith. So do. Now the end of the commandment, he says, when it's all put together, the end of the commandment is charity out of a corrupt heart. No, 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 out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and faith that's not a fake. He says faith that's not a fake. And he goes on, there's a lot of things he said here, but I don't think time is uh, treating me well today. I, I just have a limited time, so I'll just use a couple of more scriptures in chapter 2. And I want to go through chapter 1, chapter 2, and then come down here further on in chapter 2. He says, I exhort thee therefore that first of all, he says, young man, you're going to be a preacher. First of all, supplications. You got to be on your knees more often. You got to sit in the corner of your room more often and talk to God. You're a preacher. Talk to God. Pray. Soak it in. Don't pray only over your meal. He says supplication and prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. All men, your neighbor, your ungodly family, the, the government, the leaders in authority. He says all men. Pray for all men. Sit down. Somebody says, well, I can't pray. Five minutes is all I can pray. That's because you don't know how to pray. Even a Catholic says longer prayers than you. A Muslim prays more than the Christians. And we call ourselves the body of Christ. We call ourselves Christians. And we don't know how to pray. Time is almost gone on me. Nadine is showing me the time and he says five minutes to go. That was when? Five minutes ago? Oh, yes. And it says here, <coughs> who else? Prayer and intercession, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that they are in authority. We need to pray for our leaders, whoever they are, saved or unsaved. It says that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life. That's why I'm praying, oh God, don't let them bring laws that will upset the church and upset the work of God. Uh, for it is good, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. He says, Paul says, when you pray for people outside of your fellowship, outside of your church, outside of your family, it's a good thing. Pray for the neighbor. And he says, uh, who will we have all men to be saved? God would really love to see more men saved. And come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator between God and men. 
the man Christ Jesus. Paul says there is God and there is man and one mediator between God and man. I see two entities there. I see Jesus, the mediator between God, a different entity, and man, a different entity. Three entities, God, Jesus, and, and man. Six, who gave himself, Jesus gave himself that for a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And I think that's where my time runs out. Tomorrow we'll probably take it up from chapter 3 and chapter 4 and chapter 5. But this is a good, a good area to look at. And if that was not enough, Paul says here in, in chapter, just quick glance at one verse of scripture in chapter 5 and verse, uh, two verses, three verses. He says, if you put the brethren, verse 6, he says, if, uh, verse four, chapter 4, sorry, verse 6, if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things that you're, I'm telling you, he says, you're a good minister. If you don't, you're a fake. You're a quack in the pulpit. He says, you're a good minister of Jesus Christ, nurtured up in the words of the faith and of good doctrine. You know to tell people how to live. You're not taking them on an ungodly lifestyle. If you have an ungodly habit, keep it to yourself. But if we're ministers and elders that are coming to take over the work, Paul tells Timothy, he says, he says, ministers of Christ, nurtured up in the words of the faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou was attained. But he says again here, refuse profane and old wives' stories, old stories, you know, things that are not even scriptural, avoid it. And exercise thyself rather unto godliness and if you have time, read with verse 8 for me. For bodily exercise profited little. He says when you get up there and start to fight yourself and start, you know, when I'm looking at you preaching, I'm not sure who you're fighting with. I heard a man preach the other day and I sent that copy to some of the brothers and I said, listen to him. And he was saying, well, God is so good. <laughs> I know I do that one time and I want water. But he's been, he, he does that, all kinds of fun and all kinds of frolic they make in the ministry. And we think that's preaching. May God help us. May God help us to look this weekend on Timothy as a good example. Let us pray. Father, we thank you once again for Saturday night and this time we can come to listen to your word. We pray, Father, that you will let your words remain in our hearts. Help us to see Timothy in the light that Paul saw him, in the light that God saw him, and help his example to influence our lives. Not only pastors and elders and, you know, and, and ushers, Father, but the saints in the church. Help us to see how a man can walk in the right paths and be a good example unto others. Help us to understand that the doctrine we ought to, to imbibe and incorporate is one that deals with our lifestyle. Father, we ask that you bless our service tomorrow morning and be with us once again. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock. Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. God bless you. Nice talking to you.